Myth number one, it's against your religion. Myth number two, you can do it alone by affirmations. Myth number three, it's for dreamers. Myth number four, you can have anything you want. Myth number five, my environment has no effect over the law of attraction. Baloney. Myth number six, you have to learn it for it to work. Myth number seven, when you use the law of attraction, negative things will stop happening. And myth number eight, the law of attraction is selfish. This is the Mind Body Detox Podcast, where we discuss all things integrative health and wellness, interviewing folks from all over the world, sharing insights and wisdom on how to live a healthier life in mind, body, and spirit. Welcome back to the Mind Body Detox Podcast. I am your host, integrative intuitive medium, Kara Loveheart. And I just want to apologize because this is the topic that we're going to talk about today that I promised you for the last episode. I promised you at the beginning of the year when we were talking about anti-resolutions that we were going to talk a little bit more in depth about what people term is the law of attraction. I put out the Everyday Energy Vampires episode because it was so needed. It had come up at just like the most coincidental time and thank you so much for your feedback. I got a lot of feedback from everyone that said this could not have come out at a better time for you. So I'm really grateful to hear the results from that, that you guys are really using that for helping you to determine if you are acting like an energy vampire or if you have any energy vampires in your life currently. So let's back up now. We're going to dive into what people call is the law of attraction. Now, there may be some of you out there that have never heard of the law of attraction, or you've heard of it, but maybe in a negative context. And today we're going to talk about that and my perspective on this phenomenon and how I've utilized this in my life. I have a little bit of actually a very different take on this phenomenon and even the philosophy out there that people are living this law of attraction of what they call it. So first, we're going to start with the definition according to Wikipedia of the law of attraction. So it's considered new thought, a spiritual movement. The law of attraction is a pseudoscience based on the belief that positive or negative thoughts bring positive or negative experiences into a person's life. The belief is based on the ideas that people and their thoughts are made from quote-unquote pure energy, and that a process of like energy attracting like energy exists through which a person can improve their health, wealth, and personal relationships. There is no empirical scientific evidence supporting the law of attraction, and it's widely considered to be pseudoscience. So a lot of this I agree with. I agree that what they're saying, that the law of attraction is pseudoscience. And why I agree with that is because there is no way to prove this to be real or not. But in the subjective experience of your life, something subjectively means it means something to you. Coincidences, synchronicities, things that line up in your life, meeting people, having a prayer answered or a wish, having these things line up in your life is something that is not uncommon that we hear about and then we talk about in our social circles. It is true that there's no way to prove it scientifically, but when it comes to subjective experience, especially when it comes to something that's uplifting us, driving us in the directions of our dreams, creating more motivation to move towards what we're looking to create in our lives, using these principles or understanding it can be very helpful. But also, I may caution you, we're going to talk about this as well today, it also can be helpful to understand these principles for yourself and for others that may be in your life who may struggle with mental health issues or may have a skewed perception of reality because that's one of the cautions when it comes to adhering to this type of thinking. It is a spiritual dogma in the spiritual movement community, the law of attraction. And there are dogmas or set of rules that have been made up of how you create this law of attraction to work. And if you're doing it this way and not having this happen, then you're doing it quote unquote wrong. That to me is very toxic. It's something that can perpetuate feelings of just not good enough, feeling inadequate, feelings of maybe potentially going the other way and completely writing off how our brain works, which we are pattern-seeking mammals. So writing off the potentials of our brain to use that perspective to move into or towards our goals 
And also it can potentially turn us off completely to this in general, especially if we've been in relationships with individuals who maybe are following the law of attraction according to the dogmas that they've been taught. And maybe they are not putting the principles into a physical action step or physical logical space where it actually makes sense that, hey, you can achieve your goals. And I mean, the first thing I will say is that when people think of law of attraction, they think of making a vision board. I'm going to make a vision board. I'm going to cut out all these pictures from magazines or I'm going to put whatever or for my dreams for my, I want to make this much money. I want to have this car. I want to have this person in my life. I want to travel, whatever it is that they're putting on their vision board. And then they stop. So then again, it's really important to realize that that's not all this phenomenon that people actually who live this and who have shown in people I work with, clients I work with, other professionals and colleagues that really utilize these principles of really understanding how the brain works and understanding how cause and effect works. Just analytical, logical cause and effect. You put your mindset on something, you're going to continue to focus on that, you're more likely going to achieve the outcome of that. So we're going to talk about that today. It's also interesting because we definitely perceive there's a stigma around the law of attraction and not just making vision boards, but saying affirmations and trying to attract all the things that we want with just these two action steps. Now, I find it very interesting because for years as a business coach and as an intuitive professional and working with all the different practitioners and clients that I've worked with one-on-one, I've seen that whether or not they follow the law of attraction, there's a common theme that happens across everyone I've seen, everyone I've worked with. And if you out there are um, maybe have, have achieved your goals and you know, really worked hard, you'll see the same thing. You'll look around you at a lot of people who want to achieve their dreams. They are putting out that I wanna you know, have a better home or I want to attract a better job or start my own business or whatever it is. And we have a lot of what's termed to be called pipe dreams. You have a lot of people that say a lot of things and then they never do it. They start that multi-level marketing company, social networking company business, and they are in this, I'm going to get rich quick and I'm going to you know, sell this product and I believe in it fully 100%. And then they fizzle out after a couple months. You have that person that's, again, I'm looking to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to work out. And then it fizzles out. Same thing with business owners. If you're starting a small business and you're really hyped about it and then it fizzles out. It's something that's so common that it's not even based on this law of attraction. It's more based on our culture and how we haven't been taught to perceive the world in a way that's realistic for actually meeting our goals. We've been taught that we get things quickly. It's something that if we don't see momentum and we're not moving or we don't see any signs that things are coming to fruition, because we're used to things happening quickly, we give up. And that goes for people who maybe made a vision board, they're following affirmations, maybe they made a business plan and they wrote their goals down, and maybe they even did what's called SMART goals, and then they still aren't creating what they want to create. Now, why is that? Self-sabotage. We're going to go into a whole episode about self-sabotage and ways we self-sabotage and where it comes up and where we have blind spots to it, but it's really interesting to see this continued pattern that... We don't consistently stick with one thing. Now, why is that? We are easily distracted by everything in our culture. So it's really not always our fault, right? Life happens. You have probably you're squeezing back 100, I say, let's say, let's go back here. 100 years ago, you wouldn't be squeezing so many events and tasks into the time frame you have when you wake up in the morning and when you go to sleep. So because of that, we have a skewed perception of what what's realistic to get done in a certain time frame and especially what's realistic to get done with the level of distraction that we are dealing with as a society. So if you've really tried to implement goals or the law of attraction or whatever and you feel like you failed, this episode's for you. Uh, we're going to talk more about different ways that we can utilize what the law of attraction says. We're going to go over some myths today too and about some of the dogmas that I've heard and and misperceptions about it and really figure out how we can utilize this phenomenon or this experience or 
pretty much the way that the brain works is that we are pattern-seeking mammals. How do we use that capacity and all of overcoming self-sabotage and, and using self-awareness to reach our goals? How can we use all these things to really utilize what people call the law of attraction um, and how it works? Why now? I think it's an important topic to talk about because I know over the last oh, 15 years, I love to see so much more of these new waves of thought, new, new ideas, maybe they're spiritual thought, maybe they're just more about understanding how to hack into our brain. I love to see all this different information that's surfacing that's all based around self-development, personal development. We want to know who we are. Now, we didn't have this hundreds of years ago. We were just trying to survive or we were fitting into what our role was as a mother or a father or a child or we were going to school. We don't have that anymore. We have this internal perception now of who am I? Who am I in the world? What's my role? And because we have this metacognition, this thinking about our own thoughts and maybe wondering who we are and why we are this way, it's completely propelled a different paradigm, a paradigm shift. And it's really, we want to be empowered. And in order to do that, we say, well, we got to be in control somehow. And that's where the spiritual movement of the law of attraction becomes so glamorous, right? It's like, oh, I can control everything in my life, apparently, according to this law of attraction that people are talking about. Well, today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the truth that is involved in there, but also the mistruths. And, and that's really important that we're going to talk on that. But we really want empowerment. That's why I'm going to talk about this now. And because as I see it more and more become mainstream, I was kind of waiting for it to become mainstream like years and years ago, but I just didn't think we had the interest in it at that time. Now with feeling disempowered and having the opposite contrasting experiences we've had over the last two years since COVID-19 really hit and we had this pandemic, I guess the freedom and this wanting to feel empowered and wanting to break free from whether it's psychological confines of our own patterns or how we believe things to be or whatever it is, we want to be in control now and we want to have empowerment. So that's why I'm, I'm talking about this today. And hopefully the information that I'll give you will maybe shift your perspective a little bit about the law of attraction, even if you've practiced it for years, give you some different insights, different thoughts about it. And if you are not a believer in it, give you some perspectives that might help you maybe play around with it. There's nothing, it's not going to hurt you. It would be only detrimental if you are not in your right mind. If someone is going through psychosis, any sort of spiritual thought, doesn't matter if it's new age or Christian or Judaism or any religion or any religious thought or belief system, those are always detrimental sometimes when people are going through mental health psychosis because we get these hyperbolic over the top thinking and sometimes lose touch with reality. And one of the things that's totally out of touch with a physical third dimensional black and white reality is our spiritual thinking. There is nothing in this world right now to prove whether or not what we believe is true or not. When there's not a lot of anchoring involved in spiritual thinking and being off in your mind, it really does potentially lead to more misperceptions and misperceiving reality. So that's something I will caution. As, as always, I'm not a mental health professional. I'm not a doctor. I don't treat, diagnose. This information is for entertainment purposes only and for education, education for empowerment, because I believe the more we know, the more we can be empowered. And whether or not we agree with what I say or not, it's information. You take it with your own discernment, your own critical eye, critical thinking, logical, intuitive thinking as well. We balance those guys out. And that's the most important thing for all every single episode that I present to you guys for the Mind Body Detox podcast. Now, one second before we go forward here, if you have not listened to the Learn to Discern, Discerning Intuition Between Logic episode, I highly recommend going back and listening to that episode after this one, if you have not already listened to that, because it's really a very, very important one that I will talk a little bit about some of those principles I discussed in that particular episode. So first, let's talk about the Law of Attraction, how it came out. It was a really beautiful set of of experiences that seem to be shared through the human experience and talked about. And it wasn't really labeled. It wasn't something that was like, well, this seems to be happening when A, B, C, and D and I do this thing. But it was something that we've always associated with some sort of spiritual concept, maybe a, a guiding hand of God or something behind the scenes is helping to lead us towards something. Or if we think positive thoughts or we do good things, we'll be rewarded for this. And I think that type of thinking um, has really continued to perpetuate a dualistic nature where if we don't do good things, 
then we get bad stuff and we get punished. That's where when I take a look at the Wikipedia's description of the law of attraction, saying it's based on a belief that positive or negative thoughts bring positive or negative experiences into a person's life, that's actually not what the law of attraction is according to what I've experienced myself and according to even some of the information and books I check out because I want to see different people's perspectives on it. That's actually kind of like saying, if I do yoga every day, I'm going to lose weight. Well, that may not always be the case because everyone's body type is different. What type of exercise they need and what type of caloric intake, because you don't even talk about what you're eating. What are you putting into your body? That's basically saying, you know, doing A is going to lead to B. And that's not always the case, as we know that life is a very dynamic experience and that we are very different. So when it comes to utilizing positive thinking, that can have us be a more optimistic and to keep our mood up, keep our motivations levels high when we're trying to achieve goals. But in an excess, without discernment, high positive optimistic thinking can potentially lead us into deeper risk, and then we fail and we don't really achieve what we're looking to achieve. Now, negative thinking, I think in a lot of cases, really, it doesn't necessarily lead to more negative experiences, but it a lot of times can correlate with them. Again, correlation doesn't always equal causation, but I mean, who do you know that's negative all the time that has, you know, really awesome, happy life? Because even the neurotransmitters and the chemistry that they're creating in their own brain with that negative perception, the negative outlook, the negative self-talk, the criticizing, the judgment, whatever they do, complain, how is that contributing to their own mental health in a way that's actually going to uplift them? I mean, that's just black and white right there. So yeah, they could have more negative experiences subjectively and potentially even more so because if they're treating people not very kindly, they're being judgmental, they're going to have more negative social experiences. And if negative social experiences are involved, are they going to have more potential for networking and having help when they need it or creating maybe a good collaboration for a business? No. In some aspect, what they're saying here, that positive thinking is going to lead to positive experiences and negative thinking is going to lead to negative ex experiences, yes, but they're still subjective because those experiences are based on how you're subjectively perceiving them. So that's really important to note, really important to note, because I could have an experience that other people would be perceiving as, is negative. So for example, maybe I step in a pile of dog poop, okay? <laughs> you know, if I'm being optimistic about it, you know, maybe I would go and it would take away from part of my day to go clean it off my shoe or whatever I had to do. And it could potentially have led me down to a more negative experience, be more frustrated, but it also could potentially on how I subjectively choose to handle it or perceive it, I should say, I could, you know, see it as something that, well, this happened. Maybe I need to take a break. Maybe I need to take a pause. Something in my life, I'm working too quickly and maybe having to wash off this poop off my shoe. <laughs> I'm now having to really take a, another look at my day. And again, it's all about how you're subjectively perceiving it. So I don't think it's about positive or negative thoughts. I think it's about perception. And I think that's the biggest thing because again, we are pattern-seeking mammals and we can utilize the power of our brain and how our brain's reward system is set up to drive us more towards our goals, or we can not utilize those tools or understand them and then continuously feel like we're failing. So in my experience, I don't use the, the term law of attraction. I use it in original conversations with people because it's more commonly talked about and it's a term that people know. But I call it the law of creation because you're creating your reality subjectively. That is truth. We subjectively create our reality. How we perceive the world around us is what we're going to believe is real. And it's very apparent because you've probably had people in your life over the last couple of years that don't agree with you and their perceptions on the world, on the pandemic, on politics, on the healthcare system, on the school system, on family, on what's right and what's wrong. Is the world flat? Whatever it is, their perception on reality may be very different than yours and there's nothing you can do to make them think differently. But that subjective reality is right for them. Well, doesn't always make it right that there could be hurting people or bringing people down, you know, there's all sorts of things that go with it, but you do create your own reality. 
Now, do you create your own reality that you can make yourself fly? You know, not according to Newton's physics. You know, you can't really mess with that as of right now. Of course, we are operating in a system of science that is not flawed. It's really the scientists and the studies that could potentially be flawed. But science is black and white. So when we're talking about pseudoscience, we're talking about some of these spiritual topics. We have to remember that we're also talking about phenomenon that can't be replicated. We're talking about experiences that people have that are not able to be measured necessarily consistently. So there's not really going to be a sense of proof and validation in that sense. I love science and its capabilities to really explain the physical world and the phenomenon in the physical world and how we can measure things. What we can measure, we can put studies around and we can create this absolute truth at that time. Because as science evolves and progresses, we can expand that truth. What we thought about how illness is transmitted years and years ago became very different when we first, you know, had the first microscope to be able to look at cells and look at very microscopic organisms and see how they're interacting. So that's a really big change in perspective. And scientifically, that's the goal for it to grow and evolve. Just like human consciousness grows and evolves, and we expand our perception of reality, not just in the physical sense, but also in our internal sense, that I think is very important. And I think that we're seeing a growth in that area, not just scientifically, but also in pioneering the human consciousness, that whole field. So metacognition, thinking about our own thoughts, who are we, those things and studying those components on from a psychology standpoint, there's structure around creating studies for those things, again, are more complicated. But I think that it's really, it's really useful and necessary. With the law of attraction, again, I call it the law of creation, because I'm utilizing my own biochemistry. I'm utilizing science behind goal setting and where we focus our attention and our awareness and using our prefrontal lobe and the part of our brain that makes decisions. We can make executive functioning of our brain that that part of our brain can decide, I want to go over there and do this. Now, when we're a teenager, it's not fully developed, so we don't have really the best decision-making. So as an adult, I can say, this is my goal. This is what I want to do. Is it clear? Yes, it's clear. So if I am utilizing that part of my brain that's it's pattern seeking to be aware and open to what I'm looking to achieve, that's when my brain will start to pick out in the environment things that will line up with what my motivations and my goals are. This is where people experience repeating numbers, synchronicity, coincidences, meeting the right people at the right time, because your brain's searching for it. And until you have a clear focus, a clear what you want to create, or in the law of attraction, they say, what are you looking to attract, right? Until you have a clear focus that's consistent, it'll be less likely for your brain to consistently pick out those facts or those uh, experiences or those events or those people or whatever those things are. So when people get their goals clear and focused, and they consistently are putting awareness and energy, action steps, whatever it is in that direction, that's when we see people create, say this law of creation, create what they set out to create. Now, whether or not they attracted people or circumstances to them, that's something, again, we can't prove. But if you're someone that believes in prayer, how is the law of attraction different than prayer? You're putting your focus and awareness on positive thought or a faith or a prayer or a wish out to a higher power. And when that focus is consistently there, you're consistently praying, you're consistently focusing on that outcome, your brain will start to pick out the things or even miraculous things that are unreplicable in science that cannot be explained, like healings or people have a recovery from cancer or remission, something that we've been praying for, it comes to be. And who's to say that that's not something that you should allow to have that miraculous experience and, and that you should write it off as, well, that's pseudoscience, it was just a coincidence. That's something that I think that is my biggest pet peeve about the more pessimistic view of the law of attraction, because I think that it's really beautiful to have mystery in the human experience, to have mystery in things that we don't understand yet. So we have more things to uncover. That's why you know, the whole basis of science is curiosity. So if someone's being truly scientific, they would want to be curious and not write something off and maybe figure out more about the mechanisms of how things work. 
but also understand that we're still working with the third dimensional space and time and gravity and all those things that exist in this world. So there are a lot of things that we cannot measure. There's a lot of things we cannot see or perceive even as humans. We can't perceive radio waves. We can't perceive Wi-Fi with our own perception. Some people who are highly sensitive uh, claim that they can. I, of course, am one of these people. I can, I have that experience subjectively, again, that I've experienced those things. So it's something that we have to be more open and curious to say, what is the human consciousness capable of experiencing and perceiving that we maybe were writing off before, that we maybe aren't, don't understand yet? So that's where we go into this law of attraction, or again, I call the law of creation. Like, how can we make this work for us? How can we talk about these concepts that have been, they're not new, they've been around for a long time. The movie The Secret was really one that brought it to the mainstream. And then I think it really was, uh, I, I call it, <laughs> I call it uh, spiritual capitalism on steroids. It was basically trying to take a spiritual concept and capitalize on it, make a lot of money off of it. Now, there's something bad about that because it was something that we needed, that we wanted that. Somebody really made that product and it, it really helped a lot of people. So just by me saying that, don't think that's something that is negative. I think at that time when that movie came out, it was sharing the information with the masses in a way that they could understand and perceive and and maybe accept at the time. But now that we've kind of grown and evolved, I think we see that it's much deeper than that. It's much deeper than just making a vision board and saying affirmations. Um, and you can say, I can just attract all this money. I think that that is absolutely really just the surface. Like I said, you can't just do yoga to lose weight. You can sometimes if it works for you, it works for you, but it may not work for everyone. This one size fits all is really the paradigm shift we need to shift into realizing we're all individual and unique people. So how we can create with the law of attraction to the law of creation is going to be different for each of us. So we're going to go into talking about that, but first I want to talk about the myths around the law of attraction that I've heard. Well, the first one is it's against your religion. I think that that's really interesting because how is prayer different other than it's just a very different terminology? I think that for people who are religious and they use prayer to really uh, help someone in their life heal, help when they're having financial troubles, health struggles, whatever it is, they have the same outcomes. They are utilizing what I call the law of creation where they're putting out a, a desire. This is what I'd like to create. They're focusing on it. They're consistently reaffirming it through, please, God, help me, whatever it is. And when they finally have that trust and that faith that, you know, no matter what, this higher power, the unseen force or whatever is going to take care of it, a lot of times, if it's in that person's cards, so to speak, if it's in that person's best interest, if it's something that makes sense with that person's skill set, um, whatever it is, or makes sense with the person needs. Again, those are factors that are all unique and individual, but a lot of times people's prayers will come true. Now, that's where the complexity comes in. That's where the complexity comes in about the law of attraction. So the myth number one, that it's against your religion, I would say that it's a matter of more just not knowing and unawareness if you are involved in a religious organization or a community and someone talks about the law of attraction and it's shunned or it's something that's deemed uh, the devil or is going to, you're going to go to hell because of that, I would say that person doesn't really know what the law of attraction is. That person's just being misguided according to what someone else has said what it is. It's a part of a new age thing. It's whatever you know they're saying it is. It's prayer. It's the same function of prayer. It's just, it works, you know, outside of that religious parameter. So that's something that I think is really, really interesting about it. So myth number two, you can do affirmations and make it work. That's part of the puzzle. But again, if you're doing affirmations every day saying, I will lose weight, you know, I will lose weight. And then you say, well, you're not doing affirmations right, Kara. You can't say, I will. You have to say it in present tense. So there's all these dogmas around affirmations. You have to convince your subconscious mind that you believe that you are losing weight. Well, that's a component of mindset. When we have a growth mindset, we are more open to possibility. When we have a limited mindset, like I can't lose weight, I'm never gonna be able to lose weight. That's going to affect the action steps you take or you do not take to reach your goal. So affirmations are a part of the law of creation or the law of attraction. And I think it's something that's important to look at is mindset and utilizing affirmations that work for us. Because a lot of times those statements can feel really Pollyanna. They can feel like, I don't even really believe this. 
I am this, I am beautiful, I am rich, all these things. If you don't really believe that, there's going to be some sort of cognitive uh, unrest, I should say, that your unconscious is like, this isn't really true. You're just saying this over and over and over again until you really believe that about yourself. And maybe you have to make action steps to believe that about yourself, to prove to yourself that it is true. You know, I'm a great public speaker. Maybe you have to go and take public speaking lessons and prove to yourself. But by using the affirmation, I am a great public speaker, to get you motivated, to get you those chemicals in your brain to kind of hack in there and say, okay, I can do this, to jazz you up, that's worth it. That makes sense. So myth number two, you can do it by affirmations to make it work. Again, that's just part of the story. It is a myth. You can't just do affirmations and make it work. I would say unless you're really, really a superhero out there and you're someone that's really good at tapping directly into your unconscious and utilizing, you know, a couple thoughts to tweak things here and there and really move yourself into the direction of, of making things work quicker. Uh, but I definitely think that that still comes with action steps that are needed um, for it to work. Also, it's for dreamers. Myth number three. Myth number three, it's for dreamers. The law of attraction is for dreamers. It's something that I see people who are trying to create and make it happen are dreamers. They're these people that have amazing imaginations, but the dreamers are the ones that have a hard time bringing it into the manifestation sometimes because dreamers tend to be inconsistent. And again, I'm a dreamer, so don't feel like I'm railing on you out there if you're like, but I'm a dreamer. Don't feel like I'm being critical or anything like that, but it's true. You know, for early on in my my life as a as a professional, I had a lot of dreams and a lot of thoughts and a lot of creative ideas. And they are a dime a dozen and they come and then they go and they come and they go. And unless you make action steps towards them and focus on one of them or just a few of them, you're not going to really create or attract what you're going, you're, you're going to com- be completely um, all over the place with it. So I think the perspective and that myth of the law of attraction is just for dreamers. You know, I think it, in in a true sense, the law of attraction, the law of creation is not, it does not work for dreamers. But in the stereotypical stigma of the law of attraction of, oh, this is just for dreamers or people who are just, you know, spacey out, they're out there, they're ungrounded, they're just these gypsies, or there's just this really weird stigma about the new age and the hippie community. And again, they're, they're kind of lumping in all these different types of people, which are very different people. We're all unique. There's no one size fits all that's going to be a person that you're going to see that follows the law of attraction. Because I know high level executives that are using these principles to create for themselves. There's just this weird stigma around it, just like there's <laughs> just like there's stigma around anyone who, you know, as a bodybuilder must be like really healthy. I'm like, well, some of them, you know, are not healthy, either mentally or emotionally, or they have substance abuse problems. You can never assume and you can never generalize. Generalized statements, they're never good. They're only good if you are a comedian. (laughs) If you're a comedian, stigmas, all the generalizations against a certain population or crowd, that's what they do for a living and it it creates humor and it creates a a storyline that we can actually follow. So again, there's the only positive aspect I I feel like is there for making us laugh at ourselves, at these these parts of ourselves that we, we do see in our own selves and others that are stigmas. So number four, myth number four, you can have anything you want. I'm going to really upset a couple people out there that maybe are a believer in the law of attraction and say, well, I can create whatever I want. But here's a question for you. Do you know what you really want? Let's go back to that anti-resolutions episode I did here at the beginning of the year. Because what if what you really want deep down inside unconsciously isn't what you've been taught to want or what you consciously are wanting? What if it's a program? What if it's part of what you've been taught? You have to look like this, act like this, be this thin, whatever it is. So I think that you can have anything you want is a myth. Also, I think there's something interesting about the driving force of anyone I've met, anyone I've interviewed, anyone I've worked with that has achieved their dreams. A lot of times their dreams are very general where they want to help the world in a bigger way or whatever it is. And they end up helping the world in a way that they didn't even think or plan out to do. Life is what happens to you while you're making other plans, John Lennon. That quote really applies here. Because maybe what you are here to do, what your higher calling is, what your skill set, maybe you can't even perceive what that is. Maybe, you know, what you want is short-sighted based on what really will show up for you. So I think when you say, well, I want this, I want a million dollars or whatever it is, maybe you'll have something better. And I think that that's really the biggest uh, myth I see that you can have anything you want. And it goes back to play on this part of ourselves, again, that wants to be in control. I talked about we want to have empowerment. 
But there is a mechanism that's behind the scenes that is more in control than we are. Our unconscious mind is the one that's in control. It is the part of ourselves that's really in control. It's been even shown that our bodies react quicker than our brains do in certain circumstances. Our heart rhythms change, uh, you know, in certain environments according to people we're interacting with. And our bodies, our gut sense, the gut brain and our heart rhythms, those, those things are interacting a lot of times with an environment and they're reacting quicker than our brains can consciously understand and perceive clearly what's going on. So I think that that's really uh, important to remember. Myth number five, my environment has not, no effect over the law of attraction. That's a myth. I think that if you are consistently around people that bring you down, that they're maybe not collaborative and they're not supporting your own purpose to, you know, up level, even if they have completely different beliefs, religiously or politically, maybe economically, they're in a different space than you. If you can coexist with people that are supporting you, no matter what you do, instead of bringing you down or saying, wow, you have to change your diet now. Who do you think you are? Or, oh, you know, being negative or pessimistic about things, or even if you are in a city or a town that that whole culture there doesn't support and promote what you're doing, and they maybe believe very differently, that can really, really affect your mindset. It can affect your motivation, your momentum to keep going towards your goals, because you can feel that you're deflated. Everyone's always popping your balloons. You get excited about something and then, you know, someone says this or this or this, or someone's really skeptical or someone's closed-minded. The environment has a huge effect on us because we are tribal creatures. We live in communities. So we're very affected by our environment socially. Our social environment, again, that's part of our brains. We don't want to be ostracized. We don't want to be pushed out of the group. So a lot of times we can maybe give up on our dreams or not keep pushing forward and keeping our eye on the focus, on the vision board, on the affirmations, on the action steps to make that happen if our environment and our community is not conducive to it. And that's just not in their environment with their town and socially too, but also just the environment for your health. If you're living in a, in a home that has mold or there's something, you know, really going to continue to affect your physical and emotional and mental health negatively, it's going to be really hard to continue to tap into the part of the brain that can, um, really can provide you with those, the chemicals that keep you on track towards the momentum of your motivations of what you're looking to create. Myth number six, you have to learn the law of attraction for it to work. Well, I think that there are different spheres of consciousness. What I mean by that, I say spheres because it's not about levels. Because when we talk about levels, our egos get involved and we think, well, I'm better than that person or they're less than I am or I'm not as good as them. And we do this whole like level thing. We're like, oh my gosh, I have to get better. I have to climb the ladder of success or whatever it means. I need to up level my consciousness. Okay, I, I really don't like that perspective because it really puts on the unconscious level of each of us, it puts us in this place that we're not good enough. It puts us down. It puts us that we're not okay with where we're at. When I talk about you have to learn the law of attraction for it to work as a myth, it's something that is important to understand because when we're operating from a certain level of consciousness, like think about yourself when you're a teenager, you're not as aware of the world, you know, you're not as aware of maybe what the consequences are for things. You are still going to be utilizing the parts of the brain that the reward system of the brain that drives you towards motivation, usually in, in middle school and high school, what is it? Social rewards and it's high risk activities and things to really help you kind of identify yourself, you know, beyond your parents. That's your motivation. You're still utilizing the same mechanisms that keep your brain feeling good. You get all that dopamine, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I can do these things. So you're still utilizing the law of creation. You're still creating your subjective reality based on what your thoughts are, based on how you perceive the world. And you perceive the world not just through your mindset, but also your experiences of the past. If you've been abused or you've been bullied or something like that, you're going to have these experiences that are based on those unresolved traumas. And that's where, of course, I'm always an advocate for getting counseling and coaching and help from everyone you can, because we all have baggage. We all have things that are coloring our world and our perception and that can make or break our realities for us and either help us to feel empowered and move towards it or help us to feel victimized. And then we can cycle on that victim train until we realize that we need to do something different to get off of it. And that's where we talk about the internal and the, and the external locus of control. That's where I want to bring up the spheres of consciousness here. There 
are, of course, different spheres. And think about that as a sphere, meaning a whole bubble around your body. Like you have a level of consciousness that's just the self when you're very young, right? Okay, it's just me. And, you know, you're, you're the terrible twos are just like, everything's me. That's how we, we evolve when we're a child. We're like, everything's an extension of myself. Children that young don't actually have a perception of other people's feelings a lot of times. They just want everything for them as soon as possible. So as we, of course, evolve, we get another layer of our consciousness. We evolve and our bubble goes out. We start to become aware of other people. You know, imagine our bubble starts interacting with and bumping into other people's. And then we start to have a sense of empathy and like, wait a minute, I shouldn't do that. I should learn to share, okay? So as our sphere of consciousness grows and expands beyond ourselves, it becomes to our social group, it expands to our loved ones, it expands to our town, maybe our people, maybe our maybe you are of a, your nationality, maybe you're connected to your country of origin, or maybe it's a religion or a group that you're involved in there. But as your sphere of consciousness expands, and that leads you to really have more empathy, connect with others, and also have more and of awareness for your internal parts of yourself that maybe you weren't aware of as before. Because I think part of us is just learning to navigate the world around us through social interactions. And then we can move inward as we expand our consciousness to learn more about how we work, what makes us tick, where our strengths, where our weaknesses. So we move from this place of like the internal locus of control where I'm in control, I'm in the driver's seat versus external locus of control where everything happens to me. It's all their fault. Oh my gosh. When we expand our consciousness, we become more aware of how much we do have influence over our world, over our subjective perspectives, our mindset, and how those things create um, more choices in the direction of what we want. But when it comes to the law of attraction, the more you expand your consciousness, you'll learn that you don't have to learn what it is. You may not have never heard of it in your entire life, and you can see it in action. So think about a time in your life when you had a certain mindset and you were around certain people because of that mindset and you made certain actions because of that mindset and they led to A, B, C, or D outcomes. Also think about people you know that maybe they're always having something happen to them. You know, it's like one thing after another. Now, it's never really something kind to say, you're a product of the law of attraction. You keep having this negative stuff happen to you over and over and over again. Because again, like I said at the beginning, it's not that simple. There's a lot more involved as we are complex human beings. But a lot of times people do have things that seem to happen over and over and over again. And you're like, what's the mechanism there? What is that? Is it making poor choices? Is it not being able to think ahead? Is it not being self-aware of themselves? Is it their environment, other people that they continue to surround themselves with? These are a lot of factors. But you'll learn the more that you understand yourself in the world that you don't have to understand the law of attraction concept for it to be utilized and have been working in your life for your whole entire life. You have been a product of where you put your awareness and your energy creates outcomes in your life and potential outcomes. Of course, there's always things that happen that are negative and positive, no matter if we put our focus on something or not. We can get in car accidents. There are sudden things that happen, crises, things like that happen in our lives. But the biggest myth here about the law of attraction that I really want to really go in on is number seven here, that when I use this law of attraction, negative things will stop happening in my life. That's not true. Again, we still have crises. We still have drama. We still lose people. We still get in car accidents. But when we have self-awareness about how much of our internal locus of control, that expansion of our consciousness to realize how can I react to these negative things, or these perceived negative things? How can I use this as a learning tool for maybe next time, not do this? Or how can I utilize maybe my free will to choose gratitude, to choose forgiveness, to choose whatever it makes sense for us at that time, to choose something that will create peace and create positivity and continue to move you in the direction of what your focused goal or dreams are at that time. So when you use, use the law of attraction, negative things will stop happening. That's a myth, myth number seven. Definitely something that is really important to remember. It's not something that is going to be the end-all, fix-all. And I think that's why the law of attraction and the secret was so glamorous. Again, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the answer to all our problems. And like, again, I always say this, if something seems too good to be true, 
it most likely is. So that's why, again, I want to get real with this, this concept today. So myth number eight is the last one I'm going to talk about, that the law of attraction is selfish. Couldn't be further from the truth. I think that maybe people who utilize the principles of it are very self-focused and it can come off as focus or it can come off as selfish, but that's just maybe one group of people. And unfortunately, maybe that's a group of people or a couple of people you've encountered. And I apologize for that because that's unfortunately not the case with everyone. I think that the law of attraction is just, again, it's a matter of where we focus our energy and where we have that continual focus and where we move those that energy and that awareness into steps and, and actions that create some sort of outcome. With the law of attraction, we have these eight myths that I'm going to go over them one more time and uh, just list them here. So myth number one, it's against your religion. Myth number two, you can do it alone by affirmations. Myth number three, it's for dreamers. Myth number four, you can have anything you want. Myth number five, my environment has no effect over the law of attraction. Baloney. Myth number six, you have to learn it for it to work. Myth number seven, when you use the law of attraction, negative things will stop happening. And myth number eight, the law of attraction is selfish. If anything in our lives, if we can learn to follow our dreams, and that doesn't mean abandoning a day job, that doesn't mean abandoning abandoning our family or the people that we care about to really move in the direction of what we want to for our creative, for our lives. It just means to pay attention to what you truly want and look for ways that you can utilize the flow of your life to move in that into that space. And I think with the law of attraction, that whole, oh, you have to be positive all the time. And if you're negative, you're going to not do it right. You're going to attract negative things. That can really create some negative experiences. I want to tell a story about a wonderful woman that I know that has really exited the whole law of attraction philosophy because of who she is as a person and how her choice in really abandoning this ideal was actually right for her. And the reason why I'm sharing this story is because I think it's really important to understand, again, our sphere of consciousness, where we're operating from and who we like, the type of people we want to be around, the type of music and food and all the different lifestyle choices we make. It's going to differ depending on our dynamic circumstances of you know our history and who we've become who we are today. And this particular person was utilizing the law of attraction. They were involved in a community that was maybe really railing into her about what's the right way to do it and what's the wrong way to do it. And it became apparent when she was talking about the law of attraction about why she she left that philosophy and became a born-again Christian. And I was so curious. I said, oh my gosh, that's so great because she was so happy and joyful in her choice. And I was so grateful for her. And I wanted to know, of course, I'm curious. I want to know, who are you as a dynamic individual? What is your story? Why have you been called to this group or this religion or this job? I want to know. So her story was, she kept trying to do the law of attraction and kept failing. And she kept creating more negativity in her life. And it was apparent through watching her actions and and kind of watching her over the years that she wasn't failing at the law of attraction. She had so much perfectionism, like everything I've ever seen her do or touch, she just like does it really, really well. And it apparent to me as an energy reader, like growing up, she had to be that for whatever the reason, she had to be perfect. She had to be the best at something. She had to be better because she felt deeply that she wasn't good enough. And for people who have that belief, if you are a high achiever and you don't feel like anything you do is good enough, the law of attraction is going to be detrimental because if you feel that you failed at it or you're not doing it right, you're going to continue to feel like, wow, I must be being punished by the universe or something or God or whatever. And you're going to have this really negative feedback loop that's not going to motivate you. It's going to actually derail you. So for her, going to a belief system that is so supportive for her psychology and who she is that I can give all my problems to God. I can give all my problems to Jesus. I am a sinner. I know I am, but I don't have to worry because I'm saved. I love that mentality for her. For her particular journey, it's so beautiful because she no longer had to carry that weight that she was carrying for her whole life. That no matter what she did, she wasn't good enough. No matter how much she followed the law of attraction or tried this or tried that, she wasn't good enough and it wasn't working, quote unquote. So again, that's how the power of belief is so powerful. And I think that for her, 
she still uses the power of prayer now to create or co-create with a higher power or God or whatever you want to call it. She uses that prayer and allowance and giving it up to God. She doesn't have to be involved there. Now, she still focuses on her goals. She still is goal-oriented. She's still motivated. She's still moving in that direction. But instead of feeling like she has all the extra responsibility on her shoulders, like she needs to be hypervigilant and it causes anxiety if you're going to drop the ball here, you're not going to get there. You know, she can let that psychological stress up to spirit. And for her particular religion, it's very healthy for her. So I feel like if you're someone out there that's been trying to do the law of attraction, you keep feeling like you're failing The underlying mechanism of the dogma has taught you that you're not good enough and you're messing up unless you've really been able to be super optimistic all the time. And that's where I believe that the law of attraction becomes toxic. It's really toxic to believe that you have to be on, you have to be perfect, you have to be positive all the time. And if not, you know, the other shoe's going to drop and you're going to have to do A, B, and C because you're going to attract negative things. You're going to attract a crisis. You're going to attract losing your relationship. That fear around the dogma that's been created about this particular philosophy of the law of attraction is so detrimental. And I really want you to understand that because I think we have just a misperception of what this law of attraction and why I call it the law of creation instead of law of attraction, this law of creation really is. So in talking about this individual, I really believe this is the best choice for her. And if you are someone that feels that you have this weight on your shoulders, that you have to be perfect, you have to do all the things right, I encourage you to give it up to spirit, give it up to God, whatever your religion is. Even if you go become a born-again Christian, whatever works for you, if there's some way that you can get rid of all of that responsibility. Because we definitely have self-responsibility in our lives, responsible to make those decisions and our set our goals, and set our goals based on what we really want not what our programs are, really what what do we really want in our lives? What are we really good at? What makes our hearts sing? What did we want to do when we grew up when we were kids? You know, sometimes that lines up, sometimes it doesn't. But really honing in on that and then following through with the action steps and then really trusting that word trust, trusting that it will all work out. Because that trust keeps the stress out of your mind. And when the stress is not operating in your mind, your brain can really have a more expanded perception around you. Your brain will be able to operate and pick out coincidences, circumstances, or potential opportunities. When your brain is in stress mode and you're in trying to figure out how it's all going to work, your brain starts to actually shut down. You become more tunnel vision. You actually become more logical in your brain and your thinking. And we're more logical that how our, so our memories are working and how our brain is operating isn't as connected. We become less associative in our thinking. So we don't associate, well, this might connect to here and this might be there. The more we can expand that awareness and have associative memory involved and, well, this makes sense here, your brain starts to think holistically and connects the dots on a bigger scale. And when that happens, you see possibilities and opportunities that you wouldn't have seen before. So that's why giving it up to God, giving it up to spirit, trusting the universe, whatever it is, is the single most important step when operating with the law of creation. You set your goal, you did your affirmations, you did your vision board, you keep doing action steps to get there, but you got to give it up so you don't feel like you have to figure it all out because that's when we start to see the coincidences and coincidences are just a part of perception. Again, does it make them that they're true? There is there a supernatural thing really happening? We don't know. We can't prove it, but it's super amazing and mysterious how the brain works to pick up these things and that supports us moving towards our goals. So how I see the law of attraction and the law of creation, as you've heard me call it now here, is very different because of how I perceive the world. Not saying my perception is absolute truth. I never, ever say that. And if you ever hear anyone say that, I would highly question that. My perception is one of my own, and I've seen truth in it through the experiences I've worked with other people and through my particular sphere of consciousness and how I perceive the world. And I perceive the world from the basis of the human energy field. I see how people interact with each other and how the information in their energy field, their information field that is basically a reflection of their consciousness interacts with other people in their world. So when people come to me and they're trying to really reach a goal, we'll look at the human energy field and I'll look at where there might be blocks or potential areas or perceptions that are limiting beliefs and I'll feel those. I'll see those visually as a clairvoyant. And I utilize that perception, that expanded 
field of perception to really hone in on what is this and ask questions. And a lot of times when I ask those questions, these are perceptions that my clients never even had awareness of in the first place about themselves. So that is something that's very interesting. And I see the human energy field as a really great roadmap for looking at where are they trying to utilize this law of attraction or law of creation, and they're not able to really see anything come to fruition. And I love that mindset because I utilize this tool and I have an online class. You're absolutely able to to check it out here. I'll put it in the show notes. It's the law of attraction in action, getting real with the law of attraction. So it's really looking at how can we clear these blocks through going through the different characteristics, asking different questions about what you want to create. And this is going through things such as the physical structures that you have set up in place to create your goal and meet your goal. The connections, the resources, and looking at those things. Willpower and discipline. Are we able to continue to be there and keep going? Or do we have self-sabotage that comes up? Because that's a really common one I see in the human energy field because we've been taught that we're not good enough. And because of that deep unconscious belief that we're not good enough, a lot of times right when we're about to succeed or have maybe a big jump, maybe in our jobs, or we're going to get promoted or whatever it is, we unconsciously self-sabotage, even in relationships. And I know there are clients out there that are listening to this. I love you guys, by the way. Thank you so much for your support that we've talked about this where they start to really utilize the law of creation to create their lives. And we've been working together and they see all these improvements in their health and they get to that one thing that's the biggest thing for them and they say, well, I don't feel good enough for this. And then they sabotage it, specifically around relationships. I've had some wonderful clients that have attracted or created, I should say, the foundation for good relationships within themselves. They've created positive relationship with themselves, self-care, boundaries, confidence, and then they're so not used to having a positive relationship or a mate that treats them well, that it feels wrong because their own unconscious perception of themselves is still, I'm not good enough. So we unconsciously see these patterns of self-sabotage come up. So even if someone is quote unquote attracting the relationship they want or creating a foundation for the relationship, that's why I use the law of creation. You're creating foundations, you're creating opportunities, you know, for these things to show up. Then we see a potential block that could just take that whole creation and, and and sabotage it. So the other thing is also about using our power of choice and our purpose. That's another thing that I go through in this online webinar is sharing really how is what we create and what we want in alignment with our purpose. And what is our purpose? Because when you find out what your purpose is, what you feel you are here to do on this planet, the quality and the quantity of passion and drive that exists behind that desire and that purpose is the ultimate fuel for creating the life of your dreams. If you have that and you feel strong conviction, this is what I'm here to do, you know that when you talk to people about it, they feel that passion too. You've probably encountered other people that have this and you're like, wow, there's something about them. They're on fire. They're, they're motivating. They're inspirational. I want what they have. And that's what drives them to meet that goal, to do the long hours, to do the tasks they don't really want to do in their job to get where they need to go. And I think that's a big component of an energy block that I see in the human energy field. When people are trying to utilize the law of attraction, they don't always look at, is this really my passion and my purpose of what I want to create? And they're looking at things that might be more surface level. Like that's why I made that comment of the secret is basically spiritual capitalism on steroids. Then that's actually a quote by um, Carolyn Miss. I love her so much. She's an amazing medical intuitive. She says that. And she said that in one of her audiobooks. And I was like, yes, it is. The secret is spiritual capitalism on steroids. It totally is. And the reason why is are these people really looking at what they really want, what their purpose is, other than the surface level, hey, I just want to have a million dollars in this and this and this. Because there's a lot more energetic magnitude of forces in yourself and even just your own, the dopamine that your body creates to drive you, again, that reward system in the brain to drive you towards your dreams versus just, well, I want that dog because other people have that dog. But if you're really passionate, like I'm passionate enough that when I retire, I want to raise Bengal cats. And I know that that's what I want to do. I love them. Things could change, but right now that's where my passion is. 
And I know that right now the steps that I would take to get there if I was retiring tomorrow would be pretty clear and I would most likely actualize that dream. But if it's not something I really want to do and something that I'm seeing other people do and it seems like that's the cool thing to do, you know, maybe I could get it done. And I definitely see people who do that, but it takes a lot more energy that you have to muster up for yourself. The other thing I see in the human energy field that usually gets blocked is very common is this misperception of reality. This lack of connection between the logical and the intuitive brain, where people get lost in the, again, the glamour of the law of attraction. It feels so good to be able to potentially feel in control of all things, and that I can utilize this positive thinking. And people get in these hazes. It's almost like this haze of this dreamy, I almost see it like a wisp around their head, and they don't have a clear perception of reality. And most of the time, it's because the world is hard. There's a lot of things that we have to do in the world that maybe don't always feel good, that we perceive are not fun, like doing accounting work, or maybe doing cleaning or everyday routine and chores. The mundane things that we feel are just not fun. And because we've been bombarded by an amazing array of ways to escape into these like movies and TV shows, we can be stuck in this world of like entertainment and everything has to be interesting. And of course, the everyday mundane to a lot of people who are bombarded by that doesn't seem interesting to us at all. But I think it's the most beautiful space. There is so much interesting quality in the physical space, in the mundane of doing the dishes being present, feeling the heat of the water, and just experiencing the five senses. The level of gratitude I experience from being present is the fuel for me to continue with my dreams. It's the fuel for me because I connect to myself, I connect to the world, and I don't have to be worried about the future or about the past in that moment. It is the most amazing space to be, and that's where we have clarity. When we're lost in our heads, when we have this quality I see around people who are dreaming, but they're not living in reality, That's really a huge block to people creating and utilizing the law of attraction or law of creation to really connect with that in the physical world or manifest it is the word, manifesting your dreams. And I think that's those are the biggest ones. Uh, Really, there's three big things that are huge. And I'm going to end this episode with those big things. Number one is not having a clear perception of reality and getting lost in the spiritual dogma of things, and it feeling good, and it feels good, and it feels good, and it feels good, so maybe it is good, and then I don't have to do anything but feel good and pretend. That's the part that I want to really let you know that it can feel good, but it also can feel good in the action steps and the other things that it takes to get there. Because it feels good by trying something that's challenging, like maybe accounting or trying to be present while doing mundane tasks. It feels good to accomplish that. You can still get those little dopamine hits off of your your, your human brain's reward system from doing challenging tasks and not just living in a dream bubble. Those things are great, especially when you're climbing this sort of ladder you perceive to getting to your goal. Well, I have to do this and I do that and I do that next. And that was kind of hard. Those things are rewarding. So that block is something to really look at. Are you living in a space of reality? Are you looking at where are you afraid of things you might have to deal with? Is it being solo and having to do it yourself? Is it dealing with tasks you don't really want to deal with? Is it having to go and be public about things or putting yourself out there and being more vulnerable than you want to be? Those are things that really commonly keep people lost in their heads. And when you're lost in your head, you're not manifesting. You're not being in the physical world and looking at the action steps that need to happen to take that, take, take steps in that direction. And that would be the second part that I think the second one, the biggest block, biggest block is really not having a structure set up to create a rhythm and a flow for consistency for creating a rhythm and a flow for consistency. I'll say it one more time, rhythm and a flow for consistency. To keep things consistent, you're consistently moving in the direction of what it is you want to create. You're building every single day, every single day, every single day. And then that last one is just, are you trusting and following what your true purpose is and really trusting the flow of life? Whether or not you believe in a higher power, there is a flow of life. There is a flow, there is a timing, there is a trusting in things turning up the right time. That trust is the biggest, most important step that people have a hard time really doing. Like I said before, the glamour of I can be in control of my life and make everything happen, that's limited thinking. But when you allow whatever the mechanisms are, the mystery of life to drive the flow, the ease, the effortlessness, you're letting the tide take you, but keeping your boat steered, you're steering with your oars 
towards your goal. You're keeping the focus, but you're allowing the current to take you and it's so much more effortless. A lot of times it gets you there quicker than you need to because there's a level of trusting in the timing, trusting the support will be there, trusting in yourself, most importantly, that I have what it takes to keep doing what I need to do, even if that means reaching out for help from others. Trusting in yourself highly equates with trusting in a divine. The more you trust yourself and trust yourself to know when to give up and to be, hey, I need help, that really is equivalent with trusting in a higher power. One of the things I think that I will end with today is talking about the shame and the law of attraction dogma. Please don't allow yourself to feel shame about, I haven't done this right, I've been doing it the wrong way. There's no right or wrong way. These are all concepts that are talked about. They're concepts of synchronicity and coincidence and some sort of pattern that we as humans have picked up and tried to explain over the years. What is this? We've labeled it prayer. We've labeled it law of attraction. I label it law of creation because I don't like the law of attraction term because it has so much dogma that's been detrimental to people. We label it all these different things. But again, there's no need to have shame about something that you're just trying to figure out. You know, life doesn't come with an instruction manual. But the more you can really allow yourself to trust the flow of life and to know what your purpose is, to know who you are, that's really the the keys to all of this. If you want to learn more, I really highly suggest checking out my Law of Attraction and Action course. It is something that goes through the human energy field. We talk about different blocks. I have a very different perspective on the Law of Attraction, so I go through that, and I will put information on that in the uh, show notes. I will probably give some sort of discount for that class temporarily for anyone who listens to this within the next couple months. So that will be in there. If you want it, I will put a discount coupon code in there. I would love to offer that to you so you can check that out and go a little bit deeper here. But I'm going to end with a quote because I think this is one of my favorite quotes by Marion Williamson. And the quote is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light not our darkness that most frightens us. So if we are afraid of how powerful we are to co-create our lives, how much we can possibly create, that's going to continue to keep us away from our dreams, keep us from not even exploring the law of attraction and what it may do for us. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, if you want more information, check out the Law of Attraction and Action course. I'll leave the information in the show notes. I go over really great examples of how the Law of Attraction shows up in my own life, some really amazing, what other people would call miracles on a consistent basis, how I've really utilized this to continue to follow my dreams, live my purpose, and uh, continue to create success in my world. So I want that for you as well. So check it out. And thank you so much for listening and be well until next time, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Mind Body Detox podcast. We wish you wellness and health in your mind, body, and spirit. And be well until next time, my friends.